everyone. I'm Rachel, a former assistant dean of admissions at Swarthmore College, and I'm joined today by my IvyWise friend and colleague, Zach, who is a former senior assistant director of admissions at Boston College. Today, we're going to discuss how many universities should students apply to. Zach, when you hear that topic, what comes to mind? Uh, yeah, Rachel, what comes to mind is that uh, students these days are by and large, applying to a lot of schools. <laughs> um, uh, I think there was a study that, uh, that NACAC, the National Association of College Admissions Counseling, uh, published, I want to say it was three years ago now, and, and they did a study that said, um, you know, compared to 2007, we're looking at almost 40% of students are applying to eight or more colleges. Um, and back in 2007, that number was like 18%. So we've effectively... Um, the number of students out there who are applying to at least eight schools. Um, I think you and I could both um, think of a couple different times that we've uh, heard about or maybe even, um, you know, work directly with some students who've applied to well more than eight. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think there's a, a growing trend of, of mistaking uh, applying to a lot of schools, meaning an increased chance of admission, um, which I think you might agree is it's not really statistically how it works. I mean, I think one risk you run when you apply to too many schools is that you may end up spreading yourself thin when it comes to the work that's required for each of these schools supplements. You definitely want to be able to dedicate an appropriate amount of time and energy so that your application is as strong as possible. So yeah, I think there definitely are some risks with applying to too many schools. The biggest one just being, wow, I mean, that's a lot of work. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, quality over quantity, um, I think is always the, the goal yes. here. What do you think with regard to, uh, what, what's a good number for students to aim for? Yeah, I know the mindset that uh, it should fall between somewhere between like eight and 12 seems like a nice sweet spot for me. Um, and, uh, and that's going to be also around this idea of, of balance, right? Um, you know, you sh- if you're applying to 10 schools, you know, I don't want our, our listeners to walk away from this and say, well, great, I'll apply to the Ivy Leagues um, and, you know, University of Chicago and Stanford, and that'll be my number. <laughs> um, and I didn't, um, you know, I think it's really important that, you know, that 8 to 12 kind of serves as this nice sweet spot, but it also means to exist kind of within a sense of balance. Um, and, um, and here at Ivy Wise, we categorize schools uh, across three different ways. There can be reach schools, there can be target schools, and there can be likely schools. Um, I always think that there should be at least two likely schools, um, at least three target schools, and then, you know, probably three or more reach schools at that point. Um, so, you know, it's getting you to this feeling of, okay, like within each tier, I'm going to have some options. Um, so hopefully when it's all, uh, when it's all said and done, you're looking at, you know, either you've gotten into your top choice um, or you're, you're choosing between a number of schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess when we hear that term like balanced school list, it's about number as much as it is about kind of your fit within each school that you're applying to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, uh, and fit is a very, uh, I think, you know, there's a lot that goes into that word fit. A small word, um, but a lot lot that goes into it. Um, Because it's a matter of kind of uh, almost strategic fit, right? Is your profile the appropriate fit for the school? As in, do you have, what are your chances of admission, right? Um, You know, and, and kind of, I would say any school with a 15% admission rate or lower is going to be reached for anybody, you know, 
whether you're a mm-hmm. you know straight A student with great test scores and great resume and um, great essays and and great personals, you know, so are unfortunately thousands of others who are applying to those kind of schools. Um, so. Uh, you need to sort of take stock of your overall profile, you know, your transcript, those test scores, um, if test scores are required, which, you know, certainly this year, a huge wave of test optional due to the pandemic. Um, but also don't forget that um, things like your leadership qualities and your involvement and the quality of your writing and responses in the supplemental essays, when those are part of the application, um, are also part of this sort of uh, standard bearer applicant that schools are looking for. So, I think that um, you know when you take into account uh, your likelihood of admission fit, um, that's where you know a reach school may be. Your chances are under twenty five percent, while your target is more like a fifty fifty shot, and your likely schools are you know above sixty five percent. But of course, you know I, there's also the just the fit for are you a fit for that university um, that exists as well. Well, and it's so interesting, like to think about how testing um, and those numbers play into fit for now and like what that might look like down the line. But I think it's always going to be, you know, transcripts are certainly going to be important as you're gauging, you know, what might be a likely target or reach school for you. But when students are doing that initial research, you know, there is a lot of information out there um, to kind of get a sense of where a school might fall within those categories. Um, so we talked about like the middle 50% of SAT scores for admitted classes that schools um, across the board share very openly. And that that can be such an interesting place to start when you're thinking about um, where a school might fall on your list with regard to likely target and reach. So I think that as your as students are like wading into this idea of building a college list, looking at those numbers is one kind of like hard and fast way to get a sense of your potential chances at a school. But it's certainly not the only way. Right. Absolutely. I right. think absolutely. that it's kind of one of the common mistakes a lot of families can make is you know, they, they look at the SAT or ACT mid-range, right? And, you know, let's say the mid-range is a 31 to a 34 um, on the ACT. And the student goes out, you know, and by the end of junior year, they've got a 33. Um, okay, great. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm toward the top of the mid-range. You know, I'm a really, I must be a solid student in that pool. Um, but if that school is also asking for the most rigorous classes available to you um, and an A to A minus average, um, but you are a student who maybe hasn't taken as many advanced level classes and you're more of a B plus average student, your 33 doesn't just, you know, wash away the other portions of the application in a way. You know, I I agree um, that the test score mid range is a really nice way to start to categorize schools, but I think it's important for families to kind of maybe go the extra step too and, and understand what this sort of average GPA is, if you will, um, for a school. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of unpacking that needs to go with that too, because many schools will kind of convert it right into this, um, you know, hopefully A to A minus average or A plus average or, you know, B plus average, whatever it is. Um, 
But, you know, let's not forget that, um, you know, because there are so many schools out there with so many different grading scales, um, grading styles, um, you know, not all transcripts are created equal. Um, so it's also helpful to learn, you know, what percentage of students come from the top 10% of the class um, or... Right. Um, yeah, you know, when you say most rigorous available to you, um, what does that mean? Maybe in the context of my own school. Um, and that's a great question to ask um, your admissions counselor um, or an admissions counselor at a school you're interested in when you attend an information session um, or if you find their information uh, on the website. You know, many schools will publish the admission counselors who will read the applications that come from a certain state or certain part of the world. Um, so that's a really, you know, more context, the better. Um, when it comes to trying to figure out your sort of admission chances and academic readiness when it comes to the admissions process, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those things are all kind of just jumping off Mm -hmm. points. Um, And it does make me think, too, when I was reading applications, I read for the Pacific Northwest Mm -hmm. for many years, and there, most schools didn't do weighted GPAs. So you would have an entire school group of students that all had 4.0s. So as the rep for that area, that was my job to know that. Um, So, yeah, it is interesting how transcripts are done so differently across the country and across the world. Um, But, yeah, leave that to the admissions office. They will um, make it work for whatever, you know, their purposes need Mm -hmm. to be. Um, I guess, like, as students are perhaps getting familiar with some of those numbers as one place to start a little bit of research about schools. Like what are other ways, you know, students who are unfamiliar with colleges can kind of start to get more familiar with them? Yeah. I think when it comes to researching schools for the first time, um, you know, often, and this is something I would encourage um, is that it starts, you know, kind of in the middle of 10th grade, right. Where certainly a lot of grades are, have not yet been completed when it comes to your overall transcript. You, you barely, maybe you haven't even picked your 11th grade classes yet. Um, but I think it's really, um, it's kind of nice. It's a little bit of a low stress approach um, to start mm-hmm. to just gradually understand what you may like or not like about schools in general. Um Really, you know, it's all the college search. Um, you are not supposed to know everything at the beginning. Um, you're supposed to be uh, a little bit uncertain about really what it is um, that you may want by the end of your process. Um, and so I always try to recommend for my students, you know, especially the ones who, who don't have a certain academic subject in mind, um, just to get to know some of the schools, you know, when there was not a pandemic, they could go, you know, visit them in person. Um, but, you know, maybe it's close to home and they pick a, a small liberal arts college and they pick a bigger, uh, perhaps their state institution or a large research institution. Um, and maybe they pick an, a school, you know, a city nearby. Um, so they're able to compare things like an urban versus rural location. Um, they can compare the academic structure of a small school versus a large school. Um, they can even you know, try to assess, you know, the size of the schools or, or big time programs and research um, or, or even sports teams, you know, if that's something that's interesting to them. So I think starting with the, that approach of, you know, okay, big and small, what do I like? Urban and rural, what do I like? Uh, liberal arts and, uh, and structured curriculum, what do I like? Um, so at least then they can 
start to add filters to their search process um, and say, oh, well, I really like um, this, this, and this. And then all of a sudden, that's search criteria that they can use to start to really narrow down their search. Um, I don't know. Do you have other tips, Rachel, that when you start out with a, a younger student and they're just really not even sure where to begin? Yeah. I mean, I I totally agree about kind of having those larger categories. I mean, I think one thing I find that comes up first for students is often location. Mm. And it's often like, not necessarily this is what I want, but more like this is what I don't want. Like, I don't want the cold. I don't want to be like too far away from home. Um, but starting at those points is great. I mean, kind of whatever is stands out as something that you want or don't want, you know, for your four years in college. Um, I mean, with a younger student, I would probably spend some time with them, like doing some screen sharing and looking at, um, a school website just to kind of point out like some of the highlights, like how do they describe like the academic experience and like how might that vary from school to school? Sometimes it can be hard to kind of suss out the difference and the distinguishing features. But a lot of times there are some things that are very, you know, schools really pride themselves on like, oh, we have this, you know, really comprehensive and engaging like first year program um, where, you know, you're going to be in a class with all freshmen and you're going to be doing this kind of same thing. Um, You know, elements like that that might stand out. Um, And I think beyond the website, because there's really only so much you can glean from that, you know, is really encouraging students to go ahead and participate in information sessions. And I think it's, I mean, silver lining of the pandemic, it is easier than ever to do a low stress info session at a school that you are not familiar with at all. You really have nothing to lose and only things to gain. And I would encourage students to kind of listen for things that sound good and things that maybe don't sound as good Um, and just keep it kind of vague. I mean, it's like you said, a a low stress, um, you know, there's no pressure kind of way to just, again, start wading into the process. But I think those info sessions where someone who knows about the school is talking um, and, you know, hopefully there's a student perspective, you know, those kind of things are going to really help to bring that information that's on the website to life and kind of give you a sense of, of a school and hopefully like what it is you might like about it or, you know, not be as crazy about. Oh yeah. Um, I, I think it's so crucial that families, um, participate in the information sessions uh, in addition to, or sometimes, you know, only um, as compared to the campus tour, you know, the, the tour um, is a nice way to get a feel for the campus. Um, it's a nice way to talk to a student. Uh, like you said, though, Rachel, I, I think more and more schools are, are wisely utilizing their undergrads in the information sessions um, to provide a student perspective. I think that's a really, really great way to make that 45 or 60 minute presentation a little more lively, a little more balanced. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's one of those where, um, I think as a, as an information session and admissions counselor is describing the school or the students talking about their experience, 
you know, as the student, as the listener, as somebody who's sort of just trying to gather information, uh, what are the things that just sort of immediately strike you, good or bad? Um, because I think the college search process um, is one based almost entirely on intuition. <laughs> um, you just get a feel for schools that you do like the sound of um, or that you don't like the sound of, right? Um, you know, if it's a certain subject that you really are passionate about, you know, you can start to narrow in on the schools that really promote that. Um, if it's just the sort of vibe you're looking for, the living environment, um, maybe, you know, you start to uh, home in on on things like how many students spend all four years on campus um, or Mm-hmm. Um, if you really want that city life, you know, okay, let's go to some urban schools and figure out how integrated is the school actually with the city? Um, or, you know, do you want a really huge, um, school spirit culture? Okay. Let's talk about football or basketball games on campus or major, you know, kind of traditions that unite the, the, the student body. Ask some of the questions after the info session is over or ask them of your, your student, um, you know, your tour guide or somebody in the info session. So, you know, I think at the beginning you start to hear things and say, Oh, I really don't like the sound of that. Uh, or, Oh wow, that sounds really cool. Um, and as you've done three, four, five info sessions at the start, you see little commonalities in, in the notes that you take. Um, and, and that's something I will certainly underscore, you know, do not try to commit these sessions to memory. Um, take some notes, even if it's just a couple bullet points per school, um, you're going to want to come back to those. And you're also going to want to seek what things start to rise to the top for you as things you always write down. Yeah, such a good point. And I would say too, you know, when you're kind of looking at those big picture categories, those can be such good ways to find more schools like that. You know, if you're looking for urban schools or liberal arts schools or, you know, even like more specific things like schools where, you know, with um, where students are really happy or things mm-hmm. like that. I think you those kind of search terms may help to generate some different suggestions than what you're going to get when you Google, you know, schools with game design program, which just often offers up, you know, a lot of top 20 lists. So it's nice if you can kind of, um, I guess, have that a little bit of a holistic search when you're looking for kind of those traits, you know, location or social life, as well as um, that academic piece. So, yeah. There's a lot to wade through. I keep using that word, but it, it feels yeah, accurate. <laughs> no, there is a lot to wade through um, because when you just kind of are coming at it at the very beginning, there's hundreds to choose from. And so you're like, well, wow, that's pretty daunting. Um, so instead of just jump, jumping right in the deep end, you know, yeah, like get used to the shallow water and you, yeah. you get to the deep end and you know how to swim. Um, but, uh, you know, I think both of us um, and many many of those who are familiar with the admissions process, um you know, we always sort of have a love-hate relationship with the rankings. You know, there there's merit to them, mm-hmm. but you know, often they're overly relied upon. Um, and so, I guess um, I'm wondering, from your perspective, how you know how best to use rankings, or you know, what what even should families and students do um, to not just solely rely on those top twenty lists that are out there? Yeah, I I think if Again, families can use those as a place to start, but know that 
a school that's ranked number one for a specific reason does not mean that it's going to be the right place for you ultimately. So, you know, I think part of this process is just figuring out schools to research in general. So use a top 20 list, um, you know, of places that have a beautiful campus or places that have a program that you're interested in to then go ahead spend a little time on the website, scroll through the college's social media, um, attend an info session, look at the online publications, like student publications, student newspaper for the school. I always feel like that's such a good way to get insight about like what's going on there. Um, so use the lists to you know, determine what kind of places you might want to research. And then on the other side of that, hopefully you'll be able to scratch, you know, schools off that list and say, you know, that's fine for that top 20 list, but it's not making the cut on my list. I think too, you know, sometimes if you, if you are really just struggling to start, you know, whether you're a sophomore or a junior, you know, right now in the fall, um, I guess it's, it's December, so maybe it's not the fall anymore, but, um, you know, if you are halfway through your 10th or 11th grade, um, you know, I still think there's really helpful kind of generalist tools out there, you know, Websites like Niche and Campus Explorer, um, if your school uses Naviance or Maya Learning, um, other you know, softwares like that that kind of can be helpful um, in that general college search. It'll just it'll start to ask you questions about what you think you might like, um, and at least then it'll churn out 30 schools of interest, right? Um, and you start to look at some, and you put some down, and you keep some on the list, and then you start to say, oh, well, you know, oh, I really like this school. You know, let me search schools that are like, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, and you can kind of go go through that initial list that way. Um, you know, I will say shout out to the, the old-fashioned guidebooks that are still being published, you know, uh, you know yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Barron's, you know, there's something about having a thousand page tome sitting on your desk that you get to just, you know, go through colleges you probably never heard of um, sometimes um, that uh, even that can be a bit of a, a nice way to take this process. Um, and it is supposed to be a gradual process, right? You know, this is something where maybe you start with 25 schools that you think you may want. You do that initial research, you join those information sessions, um, which are, yeah, as you said, Rachel, even easier with uh, with so much virtual right now. Um, and then by the start of senior year, you've got that magical eight to twelve number that you're actually going to apply to. Um, so, I mean, I think that's a, you know, there are a lot of those ways to kind of start your filtering process, and then as you become familiar with it, there are things that will naturally stand out. I think to every student um, that makes some schools you know, keepers and other schools that aren't. And, and then the, the list kind of works itself from there. And then the goal too, is to have a list of eight to 12 schools that you would be excited to attend any of them. So whether it's a reach target or likely, you know, theoretically you would be excited to go to any of these schools. So hopefully research will lead you to some of the traits or opportunities and things about the school that are really exciting to you. Um, but I guess that is the reason to start early, because if you're starting this research now, I would say as a um, you know, sophomore or junior halfway through the year, this allows you that time to have that kind of casual, do a little casual research so that you can start it with this kind of big, big picture approach and then slowly narrow 
um, so that you can get to your final list. But yeah, it would be nice. I think it's, it's best if people can go ahead, get started. Another thing, you know, if you're wondering like, where, where would I start? I don't, I can't even think of a school right now. Um, I make, I suggest students, um, look at, um, the like biography of, um, or Wikipedia page of, of a public figure and see where did that person go to school? What is their background? You know, I mean, that could be a great jumping off point too, if you're really just unsure of where to start. Very cool idea. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we've always heard of, you know, a good friend went here. My cousin went here, here, mm-hmm. but yeah, mm-hmm. you know, if you admire a celebrity or, uh, you know, a you know, politician or, you know, community activist, something along those lines. Yeah. Why not? Great place to start. <laughs> well, and it makes me think too of another, you know, a lot of high schools have accessible, not every school, but many of them have their own school profile, mm-hmm accessible on the internet. So you could actually go and see where do graduates from your high school end up going to college. And oftentimes, if that's a list of where students have applied and matriculated over the last five years, that's going to be a list of like dozens of schools. So that could also be a great place to start. Really good idea. Uh, The school profile aspect that actually gets sent around to college admission offices, right? Yeah. A really cool idea to, to, you know, yeah, just looking for inspiration, right? And right. so I guess after the students have gotten, they're, they're now past at least, they're, they're on to step two. You know, they got a long list and they're starting to chip away and um, they take our advice. They actually go to information sessions <laughs> and make the most out of those visits. So um, I guess uh, my question is when, you know, you get the opportunity to hear from an admissions counselor or a current student, I think it's always important to, you know, come prepared with a question or two you want to ask. Um, and maybe it's the same question you ask at every school. Um, but let's an interview. Mm-hmm. You kind of, you're interviewing the school in this case, you're learning more about them, but you kind of want to make sure that you get to ask a question or two at the end. Um, so do you have kind of a go-to, you know, question or two that you would ask either a tour guide or an admissions counselor so students can really maximize what they learn from that school? I do actually have the same question, and that is, what's your favorite thing about this school? And to me, that is like, it's a kind of a win-win because on the one hand, the person that you're asking gets to talk about something positive, so that makes them feel good. And then on the other hand, you get to learn something. So I feel like you, depending on how familiar you are with the school, you could have something more specific in mind. But say you find yourself in an info session with just the admissions counselor, because that could happen. It's good to have a question kind of in your back pocket. So that's always my go-to. I also like to, and I don't know this, you'd have to play it by ear with this one. But I think another good question is like, what's something, like what's the hot topic on campus right now? What are people talking about? And that can elicit some interesting examples and some information too. Yeah. In addition to those, I would say, you know, two of my, that kind of come to mind that I always, I always enjoyed um, when students asked this, when I was interviewing students back in the day, um, or even, you know, just meeting with families. Um, I always liked being asked, you know, if you could describe the typical student that goes here, you know, kind of what are the words that you would use? See mm. if those words resonate with, you know, you as the student, as the, you know, the asker of the question. Um, that's you know, great. I always enjoyed that one. Um, and then uh, if you get the chance, you know, you're actually getting some face-to-face time with an admissions counselor, you know, I think it's a nice time to ask, you know, like, 
what's something that you look for in an application? Um, and a lot of the answers there are probably going to be similar across the board. You know, they're going to talk about the, the types of, you know, tough classes to take and the grades to get and, and maybe some test scores. But usually there's a little nugget of something in there that um, shines a light on what, uh, you know, that admissions committee or, or that school is sort of trying to to add to their their admissions process and into their, you know, actually, you know, matriculated group when it, when it comes to it in May. Um, so, you know, it, I think it can be nice that maybe you pick up on, you know, the, uh, a sense of leadership being important in the, the review process or, you know, the essay being really, you know, cared for and specific to the school. Or maybe they talk about, oh, we've got this interview program. You know, if you're really interested, you, you want to come back around and, and sign up for an interview when you're a senior. So um, I think you can get little pearls of wisdom sometimes when you talk to the admissions counselors. Is there anything else that we should be sure to include in our conversation about the list and how many universities students should apply to? Trust, trust that instincts when it comes to your the schools that you're keeping on your list in a way. And as you alluded to, I think it's really important, um, you know, look at every school that makes your list as a school that you'd want to attend, right? There's, of course, naturally going to be a school that feels like your number one or your number two. But if you're applying to 10 schools, you know, school number nine and number 10 shouldn't be throwaways, right? You should still want to go to that school. If those are the two schools you're admitted to, you should feel, you know, pretty excited that you get to choose from one of those. Um, so I would say, you know, that's really the purpose of creating a balance list is not just to maximize your chances, but to make sure that you're sort of blending fit with strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say like my parting words of advice would be for this year's seniors and to kind of building off what you said, continue to trust yourself in the list that you have created. And don't panic when you've gotten to this point and you're wondering, did I apply to the right places? Should I have applied to you know more schools? Stick with what you have done. Trust that you did the work. And of course, if you get to the end and you've applied to all the schools that you're planning to apply to, and you want to apply to one or two more that you've learned about more recently, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, trust yourself when it comes to your list as a senior that you have done the work to create a balanced list and and don't go freaking out about it too much, if that's possible. Yeah, always uh, a little tough around this time of year for the seniors, um, but I agree. That's uh, that's something I, I definitely I appreciate that advice targeted at our seniors. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it was great chatting with you about this, Rachel. I think it's such an important um, piece to the to the process and one that is a longer part of the process, but, you know, demands a, a fair amount of attention. Um, and thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast. You can also join our mailing list to receive our monthly college admissions newsletter and bookmark our knowledge base for all the latest higher ed news and updates. 